Welcome to Retro Reco. My name's Shane. And I'm Kyle. And this is a podcast where we recommend movies to each other and then uh, chat about them. This week's recommendation is from Kyle. Kyle, what you recommending? Uh, so this time I recommended the RKO Pictures 1938 release of Bringing Up Baby, starring Katherine Hepburn and Cary Grant, uh, directed by Howard Hawks. And Shane, you, you hadn't seen this before, you said. I had not. So I don't know if I said it on the podcast last time, but I honestly thought that, that this was like an original. Uh, so there's a movie uh, in the in the 80s starring Madonna that has Panthers or Jaguars or something in it. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, this is that was probably a remake of Bring It Up, Baby. It was not. Um, although there was definitely a lot of imitations. So I might have said this last podcast. I don't know if I did it off. The yeah, air, you, but... you, yeah and, you did. Yep. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, this was this was interesting. Um this was not as rough as some of the other old movies that I have watched. Okay. You said you said you said not as rough though. So I'm guessing older comedies I found are easier for me than older serious movies. And it's the voice that causes it. The that's okay. the, the that uh old movie voice of the Oh, we've got to talk like this when we're in a movie. We've got to make sure that the the voice is clear, but it's said in a way that we, people can still tell that we're putting on a show. Yeah, and it, it's it's got this cadence to it that's that's kind of sing songy. Okay. Um, and and fake. It's it's a very yeah. fake put on voice, and it's and they use it for every type of movie back then, back in the. Yeah especially back in like the 30s and 40s. I mean, you can catch some stuff in the 50s and 60s that they that that's when they start to get away from it a little bit more. Um like, you know, by the time you got to Bullet, which was 70s or late 60s. It was late 60s, yeah, it was 60s. Yeah, by the time you got to Bullet, that voice was obviously completely gone. Yeah. Um you could still hear some of that some of that from some actors, but honestly, you can still hear some of that from some actors now even. Um but yeah, that sing-songy voice really really it makes my it, it makes me stop paying attention which is i know that's weird to say but it, it like it's got a cadence to it and and sing-songiness to it that that like draws me away from watching um but it's easier with comedies because there's it's something that i've seen in comedies more more recently um just because it, it does have a, a comedic air to it and so you'll see people when they're doing imitations of this style of this age of movies and style of movies jumping to that type of voice. Yeah. And it works in a comedy situation. And it 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 worked to an extent in this movie. At at times it it was bad, but the, luckily the two lead actors, uh uh Catherine Hepburn and and uh Cary Grant? Yep, Cary Grant. Yep. Cary Grant uh were both had a way of using it and not being more precise with it and not quite getting all the way into that voice. Yeah. A lot of the side actors were right into that sing-songy voice. Uh Catherine Hepburn was using that voice a lot, but but she was also um I mean she she was the original Manic Pixie Girl apparently and uh Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, she and was. it worked. 
Uh, well, and and the the funny thing with like you bring up, um, uh, like Cary Grant having that style of voice and that sing songy like that kind of voice. Um, Cary Grant was the basis for the character that the like aristocratic character that Tony Curtis plays the the fake character um that he plays in Some Like It Hot. Um he's basically just doing a Cary Grant impersonation. Um so much so that apparently Cary Grant got a little ticked at him and came up to him at a party and just was like, I do not sound like that <laughs> And it's like funny. Yeah you 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 do Cary. You do. <laughs> Some Like It Hot is another movie that, like, I, I liked this movie. Um, yeah. I, I got a little distracted at times, but I liked it. Some Like It Hot is another movie of the older age that I that I really do enjoy. Yep. Um, so actually, in, in a little bit of, the, like, my, my retro deep dive um, is talking about, uh, I'll, I'll get into that, because one of the things, this movie is, uh, oddly enough, was kind of a box office flop when it came out. Like, it took until its third run-through in the theaters um, to uh, finally break even. Oh, wow. Budget-wise. Because they production went longer than it should have. uh, Mostly because, for some reason, uh, even though apparently Catherine Hepburn and, and Cary Grant are actually really good friends... And on the on the trivia, it says they actually were on set early most of the time, uh, which especially when you think about Hollywood in this point in time, you're lucky when act when the big names show up on set on time at all. Um, and they're showing up early, and they were actually there before Howard Hawks was most days. Oh. Um, so they would actually start just rehearsing fun little bits to do uh, together. Um, and you can see that. And then Howard Hawks would come in and be like, yeah, I think that works for this scene. Yeah, let's do it. Um, but it was very critically acclaimed when it came out. But uh, this was kind of in a little bit of a down period for Catherine Hepburn's career. Um, and where she wasn't as acclaimed as she nor- as she had been for the most of her career um a and wild statement about somebody that has three oscars <laughs> four four oscars oh four. that's right yep. yeah um and uh, yeah this was like she was actually considered at this point in time box office poison which is oh, wow. crazy cuz literally then like 2 years later uh was a philadelphia story um, with her, Cary Grant, and James Stewart, and Jimmy Stewart, um, which I want to say is her first Oscar. Um, and that was kind of the rebuilding um, of of her. But, yeah, it was very critically acclaimed. It was, uh, it's ranked 97 on AFI's uh, 100 Years, 100 Movies in 1998. Um, it was... Um, ranked number 51 in the 100 Years, 100 Passions, which was like love stories and stuff. Um, and then it actually went up on the list in, 2000, in 2007 when they redid 
the 100 movies list, and it moved up to 88. Uh, but it was number 14 on the 100 Years, 100 Laughs, their, mo- their list of 100 comedies. Um, and it was actually right in front of Philadelphia Story. And I'm, I'm going to list like what, what beat this, because I kind of want to know uh, how many of these you've actually seen. Okay. Uh, so number 13 was Young Frankenstein. Seen it. Uh, number 12. Great movie. Yep. Uh, uh, number 12 was A Night at the Opera, which is one of the Marx Brothers movies. Um, I have not seen that. Okay. Uh, number 11, The Producers, the original. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. Uh, number 10 was Airplane. Oh, for sure. Uh, number 9, I don't really consider this a comedy. <laughs> But it's on the list weird title. for some reason. Um, it was it was the Graduate. That's a comedy. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, "There's, I mean, it's a satire in some aspects, but not like I've, a funny satire." It's I've but... seen it, and I wouldn't cons. I mean, it's dark. It's not. I, I wouldn't consider it a dark comedy, even like. Yeah, I I I don't know why. I would, I would say it's a it's a drama that they have some dark humor in yeah um i mean it's a good movie you know for sure but uh number eight was it happened one night uh, i've actually seen that okay um yeah it's i one do of remember the... seeing that too i watched it with my mother yeah it's one of three uh to win all five uh of the big academy awards best screenplay mm-hmm. best director best picture best actor and best actress um uh, that's Clark Gable? Yeah, it was Clark. Yep, Clark Gable. Yep. Yep. Uh, Number seven was MASH. I have seen the beginning of that movie. I have not seen all the way through it. Yeah, I was going to say, because that I know was on our list of potential movies. Uh, Number six was Blazing Saddles. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Uh, number five was Duck Soup, another Marx Brothers movie. Uh, somebody was a really big Mel Brooks fan on this list. Um, uh, Marx Brothers I've... movie, but yeah, they were also a big Mel Brooks movie. No, I yeah, because my comment was from the movie before this. Uh, yeah. Um, um, Duck Soup. Um, no, I have I have seen the poster for it, and I've heard it, and I think I've seen bits from it, but I have not watched it. Okay, I have also not seen it. So, uh, number four was Annie Hall. Uh, I got so bored <laughs> watch trying to watch Annie Hall, and I did not watch it. But I was also much younger than somebody that would probably get Annie Hall. Yeah, I don't blame you on that one. Uh, number three was Doctor Strangelove. Uh, once again, a movie that I have seen scenes of, but not seen the whole movie. Yep. I mean, you you full on one in one of our earlier episodes quoted there's no fighting in the war room yep um number two is tootsie i've unfortunately seen tootsie and i don't know why that's on the list that's not a great movie yeah i i saw it when i was younger and i didn't enjoy it um but yeah it is it is a different a era of people that is that put this list together as you can see from the list (laughs) Uh, and then number one was Some Like It Hot. 
Uh, and great movie. Yep. Which is a great movie. Exactly. Wait, wait, what year was this list? Uh, this list would have come out, 100 Years, 100 Laughs would have come out in 2000. Okay. And then what's the most recent movie that you had said there? Was it was it Young Frankenstein? Uh, yes. In, well, <laughs> in the in the top 15, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. But that's, I mean... Yeah, so it's a different era of it's people a different that, era, that were yeah. putting this this list together. Um, even 2000, I mean, there were there were uh, there's Adam Sandler movies from the 90s that I would say are, are above some of these movies. Because um, uh, uh, people forget how just absolutely fantastic Adam Sandler movies in the ni- late 90s were. I don't know how well they'd hold up now, yeah. but uh, I remember. Yeah, I yeah them. I yeah I have not watched like. I mean, his his production company alone is called Happy Madison. You know, I I have not watched Happy Gilmore in a long time, and I think it would still hold up okay. But I'm not positive. I would hope so that's the one that I would probably rank at the top of. Yeah, I think I think movies, so. I think Big Daddy is probably as a whole one of his better movies, but I I don't yeah. think it gets as much love. Um, I, I would agree with that. It's it's it's. Uh... It is one of the more complete movies. It's less nonsensical. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, so this this movie was based uh got got all those accolades. Uh actually Christopher Reeve, uh who played Clark Kent Superman, uh, actually said he based uh kind of his performance as Clark Kent off uh Dr. David Huxley, uh Cary Grant's character from this movie. And not to be confused with Christopher Reeves, who also played Superman. Isn't it weren't they both Christopher Reeve? One no. was Reeve and one was Reeves? No, it's Reeve. I'm pretty sure. Now you've got me second guessing. Because there were two Reeves that played Superman. Yeah, no, it's George Reeves and Christopher Reeve. Oh, okay, okay. That's where my confusion was. I I for some reason I thought it was the other way around. It was yep. Christopher Reeves and but uh, I remember that it was so weird that two of them had the yeah. same same yeah, two similar last name, and both tragic accidents. Yep. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so it is very much '30s slapstick. So oh, yeah. there is very much. It it seems like, and as as we said, um, it's actually a pretty well done script. But there was a lot of room to improvise and a lot of room to throw in gags and little stuff like that um, in because you had the bones of the script. Um, and it was actually based off a short story um, that was just about the, the leopard part. Um, and uh, Howard Hawks saw that n- news article and saw that story, um, hired on the, on the writer brought on another or one to kind of do dialogue punch up and then had Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant just have fun. So, uh, so they, they did seem like they were having fun on the, uh, uh, in the movie. Yeah, they, they, well, like I said, they, they were actually friends before this. So, and this was the second of four movies they do together. Um, but actually Howard Hawks, uh, and the next comedy he would do, you actually kind of see this. Um, he he actually kind of like he he enjoys this m- movie, but he also said 
that it, it had a great fault and I learned an awful lot from it. Uh, there are no normal people in it. Uh, everyone and you meet, uh, you met was a screwball. And since that time, I learned my lesson and don't intend to ever again make everybody crazy in the mo- in the films. And I would agree with that because, yeah, there's not a normal person like because even even like Dr. Huxley is kind of weird, like in, in a lot of aspects. He's a, um, he seems like a uh, he's he's neurotic. Yeah, he's super neurotic. Um, I don't even know what you'd call Catherine Hepburn's character. Like you said, she's she's a manic pixie girl. Yeah. That's like that, that's that's what she is in this movie. She's like I I, I saw it and I was just like oh she's she's a Zoe Deschanel character, <laughs> which I'm sure Zoe Deschanel would actually love that comparison of like ah yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if she has fashioned some of her characters from this. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. As as many many people have. Um, so yeah, I I even have in my notes in quotation marks plot. Uh, <laughs> it's like what here's the plot of the movie. Um, so so Dr. David Huxley is a paleontologist, and he sure. is he is supposed to be getting married. Uh, to his uh, lab assistant, uh, Alice, Miss Swallow. Um, and he's putting together this dinosaur. And he's uh, just got the delivery. Or tomorrow would also be getting the delivery of the interclostic cl- cavernal. I don't remember what the bone was called. It was a dino bone. It was a dino bone. Uh <laughs> And full on showing what this relationship already is, is like, oh, we're getting married tomorrow, and and the bones coming. Two such great events. Like we'll have to wait until after the honeymoon, you know, to to put that to put that together. And she's like, no, you're coming right back here. Our marriage will have no personal uh, attachments whatsoever to it. Um, it is your our marriage. I see merely as an extension of your work. Yeah, which is, I mean, all to set up things later. But yeah, yeah, yeah. They they wanted they wanted you to not feel bad for this woman. No, no, because she's she's definitely like. He's like, yeah, no, he fell in love with somebody else because clearly this was just going to be a marriage of convenience, because this is the only woman he ever spends time with. Uh, with that said, the other woman he spends time with this movie, I don't see how in any way she would ever fall for. But Susan, yeah, it, it, she's she's just there doing things that like completely like ruin his like not ruin his life, but like yes, later he's just like, oh, it was the most fun I've ever had. But like in the, everything he said in the moment, that like nothing nothing brought up made me think that he was having fun. Like he seemed to be absolutely just having a horrible time the whole time yeah well Um, i mean i mean even he says he says it at one point of like you know in in quiet moments i'm oddly drawn to you but there have been no quiet moments um and i mean we all everyone knew that the that's where the movie was headed yeah but it was just one of those things where just like like man no if i was if i was around somebody like this that was like legitimately doing these things to my life i would absolutely hate it yeah yeah i mean in the 
in the first scene that we were introduced to her, she steals his golf ball in which because of that means it kind of jeopardizes a grant that he is seeking for the museum steals his car (laughs) which is very easy to do apparently back in the 30s yeah i was gonna say like that was way easier than i thought it would be um to uh to uh steal someone's car because apparently yeah just everybody everybody drove convertibles and everybody left their keys in their cars you know either that or you didn't need the keys Uh, yeah you might not have needed a key at that point yeah it might have just been like a starter I don't know how old cars work. I barely know how new cars work. So, um, but yeah, the the running gag of the "I'll be right with you, Mister Peabody," as he's either getting dragged around the golf course or on the running boards of this car and then driven off camera. Uh, and then we've got a scene at the restaurant, which uh, apparently this was a lot of the, the improvisation um, between the like olive trick and the uh, the ripping of the of the garments, which apparently actually did happen uh, to Cary Grant. And he was talking to Howard Hawks about it and said, like. Hey, this happened to me when I was at a theater. That would that would be a very embarrassing moment. Should we bring that into the movie? It's like, yes, we should. And it's a lot of, yeah, it's fun physical comedy as, you know, he gets his tail all of his tuxedo ripped and he's trying to hide that. And then in the little argument as they're saying, it's like, oh, no, don't walk away. He accidentally rips her dress and then trying to find trying to navigate through this restaurant or hotel bar without seeing that both of them, you know, their butts are in the air, basically. Yeah, then I mean, that was not the first, but uh no, they've they've already done a few slapstick things, but that was the first more physical of the comedies. Yeah, uh, for the slapstick, because uh, before that it was more so the uh, the you know the the handing of the purse, and there was like some physical aspects to it, but it had more to do with what they were saying. And this one had a little more physicality to it. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it, it, was it was more bantery and and back and forth, like on the golf course, and yeah, with the with the exchange of the purse and that kind of stuff. And then yeah, then we get into more physical slapstick. I think it's also because this movie was bit after bit after bit after bit, like no time to breathe, like move on to the next funny thing. Uh, That also helped me avoid the, my hatred of the voices uh, and and focus a little bit more. Yeah. Well, and, and they, they actually, uh, Cary Grant said, especially the look with the glasses and everything, he took a lot of, uh, tips from silent comedians specifically harold lloyd um in a lot of his mannerisms uh for this movie and because harold lloyd was a silent kind of slapstick comedian um harold lloyd's the one if you've ever seen um safety last if he he's the one kind of hanging off the 
the clock tower. Oh, okay. Yes. Never seen that. Uh, but I, I do from you saying that I recognize what that image is. Yeah. Yeah. And him with the, with the big glasses and yep. Yeah. It is Harold Lloyd. Like I, I always get Harold Lloyd and Buster Keaton kind of condensed a little bit in my, in my brain. Buster um, Keaton's the one that has the house fall on him and the one yep. that is on the, that he's does the, the front of the train bit that he literally, I mean, you had to, you, you just had to do it. Um, which was incredibly dangerous. Yeah. Like, um, that's actually a movie that is, is on our list of potential, uh, stuff. That's, that's the general. Cause I saw that oh, in, okay. in, in film class and I love that movie. Like that is so, nice. it's a really underrated, well, not underrated cause it's one of the greatest movies of all time. Um, and known as one of the greatest silent movies of all time. Um, but yeah, just a very good silent film, um, and all of those physical bits you can you can definitely see of like where Cary Grant took little bits and pieces of that comic styling um, from the silent era and kind of updated them. Yeah, I've never seen that. I've seen I've I mean that's a very famous yeah scene. So I, I I know that scene very well, and and I was I was actually listening to a podcast the other day where they were discussing that scene. So oh nice, and it's not a movie podcast. It was just kind of came oh, up just kind of how much came, they enjoyed it. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then uh, so then we get a little plot progression here with Catherine Hepburn, you know, going back to her 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 apartment and sewing up the thing, and then finding that. You know, he's uh, uh, David is going to get married the next day, eh? but it's like, oh, no, but you've got to you've got to talk to the lawyers and tell him what happened. I know where he lives. We can go there. And then this was another fun physical bit of like throwing. It's like, oh, we'll just throw pebbles at the window. And then you know exactly what's going to happen of like, oh, she throws the pebbles. The guy comes out. And then she doesn't see he's come out, and then she throws a rock at him. Yep. Yeah, I wasn't sure when they grabbed the pebbles if it was going to be that or the broken window gag, but I yeah. knew one of those two was coming. Yeah. And again, this would have been one of the first times that the that they do this on cinema. Yep. Um. So it's like it wasn't it wasn't a cliche. This cre this was part of what created the cliche. Like that's kind yep. of fun. And you recognize a lot of those in this in this yep. movie of. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's not just that it was, like I said, it is the, the, the archetypes in the movie yep. are probably the beginning archetypes, you know, the, uh, the idea that watching this movie, I was just like, I was like, oh, that's, that's, this is what they were trying to do in that Dharma and Greg show. <laughs> like it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, to me, that's, that is kind of cool to see, no, you know, when you give yourself that mindset of of this isn't this wasn't typical at the time yeah 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 that's like as as big wrestling fans like the two of us like going back and watching Shawn michaels versus razor ramon you know the the latter match from wrestlemania 10 and yes the latter match has evolved you know a lot since then but literally every single piece 
you can see it's like, oh, this is where it started. And they just kind of springboarded from there. Well, I mean, they didn't springboard in in that one, but they did fly off a ladder, though. That, yeah, they for yeah. sure did. And then uh, so then the next morning, uh, Susan calls David uh, and does uh, uh, and, and tells her. And this is I, I also forget how little the leopard subplot actually appears on screen. <laughs> As Especially like, since it's one of the most well-known things from this movie. Like when you said it was the leopard movie, I was like, "Oh, okay, I've, I, yeah, yeah." It's like it's the last third, if that, um, mm-hmm. and it's not even really like I forget that the dog bone thing happens and takes up a lot more like real estate than the than the leopard subplot does. Of like, yeah, no, you've got baby, and she's a leopard. And she's tame, and she's, you know, good, and she's going to... It's actually supposed to be for Susan's aunt. Um, So she's got to take her up to the aunt and deliver baby. And then Susan again steals another car just because baby jumped cars. And she's like, no, this is my car. She also didn't want to get a ticket or taken to jail. Yeah, she also didn't want to get a ticket. Yeah, um, and I do love the uh, just because it's small cast and Hollywood like studio system at this point that it's like the same six people <laughs> in this entire movie. Because oh, yep, you know the guy whose car she steals is the psychologist that she talks to, you know, earlier, <laughs> who then comes up and it's like, oh, well, because she stole his car, or. And he happens to just be the neighbor of his aunt, of her aunt. It's like, okay, this is way too convenient. Um, and then actually the, the constable uh, was was actually an actor that uh, he was of old vaudevillian. Um, and uh, apparently Catherine Hepburn was having some problems with her comedic timing, at least according to Howard Hawks. And uh, he had her talk with the the actor who plays the constable, uh, Walter uh, Catlin, uh, Catlett, um, and uh, and asked him, told her to ask him to kind of give some advice, and that's actually why he got written into another additional scene in the jailhouse later. Because Howard Hawks wanted him on set so Catherine Hepburn could, like, talk with him more about, like, the comedic timing that he and wanted. I liked, I liked a lot of what they did with the constable, honestly. Uh, yeah. I mean, right, the the all the lying to him and him buying into all the lying and, like, telling him to write it down. And, yeah. And everything was, was a lot of fun. And then later when he, when he's just like, oh, there's an election next week. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> telling him that he's getting in trouble for for arresting the wrong person like he he i mean it's good that they used him to help with the comedic timing because he had great comedic timing throughout this movie (laughs) yeah he had yeah he he had he had great comedic timing throughout the whole movie and yeah helped Catherine hepburn um in on that and it's like okay yeah like this was this is great like having him around and then yeah we we get back to uh finally we get to susan's aunt's place 
and <laughs> Susan in the in the complete manic pixie uh state is like, well, I can't have him like, oh, now he's gonna shower and leave. Um I've gotta send his clothes away so that he has to stay here longer. And this and this is also the scene where he she mentions that she's she loves him and, and Yeah. And things like that when he's not in the room. Yeah. And yeah. Yep, and then he uh then he uh he <laughs> has to steal the bathrobe from his aunt from her aunt. Which uh apparently this is one of the first instances of uh someone using the the word gay to refer to homosexuality in film. And then during this, that's when George the dog steals the uh intercloster clavicle. And, and boy, oh boy, do they stick with this George the dog bit for a long time. I, like I said, I, I remember the leopard part being a lot more in this movie and the George part just being a lot smaller, but it's like, yeah, no, we go out and try and find the hole that he dug in and, oh, we found another boot. Oh, and we found another boot and okay. We never resolve this. We got to go to dinner, but as we're going to dinner, George keeps going outside. And because of that, we're going to keep going and following him out. So David looks like a crazy person. And, uh, I mean, they could also do scenes with the dog easier than they could with the leopard. That's true. Um, cause, cause apparently a lot of the, the leopard stuff was actually, uh, rear projection uh, uh, for I could safety. Tell that. I could tell that, and uh, they it, they did a better job on the car scene than they did on the uh, the police scene where the the leopards on the table. Um, yeah, because the moment the moment he walked up to to pet the leopard, and then they cut right when he put his hand out to pet, and you could see that they are definitely not yeah. on the same plane. And then yeah. they're then they've got him and I want to say the ant standing in front of the leopard and having a discussion. Yes, and and uh, you could tell that 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 was the that was the only scene where you could really tell that 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 it was it was two different yeah planes. Well, like ap- two- apparently, uh, Cary Grant was super nervous and hated working with that thing, um, but. Uh, Catherine Hepburn actually really enjoyed working with with the leopard and the leopard actually was very calm when it was around her. So a lot of her scenes, like some of her scenes, she is actually just interacting with the leopard. And that you could tell as well. Because like I said, it was not every scene that that they were doing that. uh, But but when when they were doing it, it was it was noticeable. Yes. Um, I was also very afraid at the. Because uh, I mean, I don't think they were they were watching out for the safety of animals as much back then. No, no, they and weren't. When that dog and that leopard were uh, quote unquote playing, yeah, I'm just like, I really hope that that leopard did not kill that dog. And when they were filming this movie, no, they were fine. Um, which which I also I love the in the little note that uh, she gets when she gets the leopard of like, and baby likes dogs. Ah, I can't tell if that means she, she wants to eat them or she's fond of them. And then they just leave it at that. And you never get a real explanation of it. And I love it because of that. Well, it's sort of brought up again later. 
So like, I'm sure they'll get along great. And like, but if they don't, a baby's going to eat them. Yeah. It's like, oh, baby's going to oh. eat them. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's why they're like, oh, yeah, no, we got to keep these two apart for sure. <laughs> um, And then, yeah. Uh, so as, as uh, Susan and David go out to look for George, they find out that baby has gotten out because the groundskeeper just unlocked the stables um and the groundskeeper might have been the most uh down to earth character in the movie cuz he was uh, cuz he was drunk the whole time yes okay the most uh i mean when you compare the when you talk about having every person be a crazy person he might have been the most sane of the of all of them. That's true. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So so uh, the groundskeeper lets baby out. So that means. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so Ma- Major Applegate, who is apparently a big game hunter, um, is co- is coming out for dinner, um, and he's trying to do a leopard call, uh, which I kind of liked this bit. It was kind of fun, um, of him and the aunt like trying to do the leopard call and then the leopard actually calling and him just thinking it's the aunt of like, Oh, you did a very well for your first try. Yeah. And, and, and I, I liked the bit earlier of him being this, this big hunter and him being like, Oh, that's a, what was it? Osprey? Uh, a loon. A loon. A loon. He's a loon. like, that's a loon. He goes, that's nope. That's a leopard. It's like, no, I'm pretty sure it's a loon. <laughs> just, he's like, Nope. It's a leopard. Pretty sure it's a leopard. Why would a leopard be in Connecticut? That's a good question, but it's definitely a leopard. The dinner was enjoyable, as you mentioned him walking away a lot, but the, the uh, him just being blunt and truthful about every, all, pretty much all the questions yeah. and no one believing him was just was, was fun. Yeah. Well, and then I, I also love the little bit of, it's like, Susan, your aunt can't find out who I am. You have to give me a fake name. And then her, of course, being Susan, never tells him what the fake name is before. And so he's introducing him to Major Applegate. It's like, Major Applegate, uh, David Bone. Oh, nice to meet you, Mr. Bone. No, I'm, I'm, Miss, no, I'm Mr. App, I'm Major Applegate. Like that little fun exchange. Yes. Cause he's like, clearly confused of like wait oh no i'm mr bone yes that's right yes that's my name so funny story uh, and it just was very similar to me there is a former college football player and college football coach whose name is major applewhite okay so i kept hearing i kept hearing that and been like like i bet you there that that guy's parents were a fan of this movie and that's why they named him major yeah (laughs) because that's just i was like that's like no one names their kid major, and yeah, but but you know to have to have a last name that's so similar to the last name in this movie, and then yeah. go with the first name major. I was just like, okay, that makes sense. Yep. Um. And then then we we talked about it a little bit. There's the little scene with uh, Susan and David get caught up because uh, the they call the police to track down the leopard. Because the, our, their leopard came out, got out. Um, but at the same time, the zoo was coming 
um, to put down a leopard that had mauled someone. Um, Susan thinks that that is their leopard, so opens up the cage and lets it out. And then is like, oh no, baby's gone, and runs after it. But then they're uh, caught by the police and taken to, to jail for stealing a car, because they did. No, no, they were brought to jail um, for uh, singing at the at the house. Oh yeah, that's right. The, well, yeah, because baby, yeah, because baby the, was on the roof. Yep. Yes, the drunk, um, and that that's when they do this whole bit of 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 her saying like, "Call my aunt," and her and her aunt saying, "No, she's she's upstairs sleeping." And so they don't believe that they they are who they say they are. And then uh, th- that. Uh, this goes on for a while, and this was actually a really funny bit that I was happy that went on for a while, um, because then they bring in the, oh, they they arrest the um, the groundskeeper for driving the stolen car. Yeah. Uh, so that's where the the arrest for the stolen car comes yeah. in, and they bring him in, and he's just like, oh, that's that's uh blah blah blah's niece. I forget the aunt's name. That's the aunt's niece, and yeah. they're like, stop. Th- that woman has no aunt. And yes, I have an aunt. It's my father's sister. And I was like, that got a laugh out of me too. Yeah. Um, well, and then, uh, then the then the entire ruse of like Susan saying that like David's a bank robber or murderer or whatever it is, and she's part of the gang, and then that's how she, you know, gets them to unlock the the cell door for her, and then she just keeps talking, keeps talking, and then just escapes out the window. Yep. As she's doing a bit, which I'm certain is probably from another movie of the era that we just that I'm not familiar with. I I don't know if you're familiar with it, but he does say at one point she's just doing characters from a movie. Uh, so I assume that maybe there was another movie that th- this these characters were from. Uh, um, no, it, I mean, it's not specifically there's there, it's definitely it's a gangster type. Um, yes. But but the, the funny thing with that is um, you've also got to remember Howard Hawks is one of the original gangster, um, like 30s gangster directors because he actually was the one who directed the the original Scarface. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Huh. Um, yeah, that was one of his bigger movies. Um, so that was at, uh, technically it was at the tail end of the gangster pictures kind of. Um, cause it was 32, um, and the gangster pictures are kind of from like 1912 to, or 1919 to 1932. Interesting. Um, but yeah, he, he, one of his, um, he, d- he directed that and then would go on to direct, uh, the big sleep, which is the Philip Marlowe movie that we, the, uh, the Raymond Chandler book um, that was based off mm-hmm. um, and then would direct uh, Rio Bravo and a ton of Howard Hawks is one of the greatest like film directors of all time. Well, that's um, cool. Yeah. And and also so many different genres because like I said, he's got he's got this. He's got bringing up baby. He's got Rio. Bra- uh, he's got this. He's got Scarface. He's got, you know, Rio Bravo. And then did a ton of westerns before this as well. And then later, f- spaghetti westerns. Eh, probably not. No, not yet, because that was li- a, li- a different era. Yeah. Um, 
It was but, Re- but Rio Bravo yeah. was like right before the spaghetti westerns. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Um, and then yeah, so and then so yeah, the the leopard escapes the zoo. Um, I do love the the one like almost feminist like like great eight line in here of uh, they're they're so discounting Susan and you know David gets out of jail and they finally know who he is and everything it's like oh no Susan she's helpless without me and then she literally just comes in dragging the leopard of like no she's not helpless without you at all dude dragging the dangerous leopard because we didn't mention but during all of this yeah. there's also a second leopard for some reason from a circus that uh needs to be that they are planning on putting down because it mauled a person and is very yeah. dangerous. Yeah, who they who Susan let escape from because she thought it was the cops that had baby in in the leopard cage. Yes, and so she let the leopard out. Um, but yeah, they're they're talking about how oh you know this thing mauled 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 somebody and. You know, it's so, so untame, untainable. And yeah, Susan's just dragging it back because she's just through, through pure force of will. She's like, nope, baby, why are you acting so weird? <laughs> oh, she's just playing and then finds out that it's actually the dangerous leopard. And it's like, oh, no. Uh, and then the the final scene is they're at the at the museum and He's up trying to put the bone into place. Not a euphemism, I don't think. Um, and she's standing there on the ladder, and they're just looking at each other, and she starts swaying back and forth, and you realize, like, oh, she's about to fall off this ladder. <laughs> All this right. is right after his fiance breaks up with him, by the way. Yeah. Or losing the bone, I think. It was, I think that's how i mean yeah, she basically just says, you're not the man i thought you were and i think it's for losing the bone yep yes because one bone missing in that dinosaur and the whole thing the whole project just should just should be abandoned it's like no uh, one no one would have noticed that that one bone is missing um she then breaks his dinosaur Yep. And she's like, "Oh, you can never forgive me." And he's obviously upset a little bit. And instead of instead of waiting for him to say something, she goes, "But you do forgive me." And then she decides that he forgives her without letting him talk, yeah. uh which is probably just would be their relationship because that's yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Um I did kind of like the idea that that I I don't know at this time if this would happen but she was definitely the driving force of the of the movie rather than him yeah um yes a lot of the catalysts and all the a lot of the points were based around him and he was a focal point because she was obsessed with him so like i mean it's not gonna uh pass the bechdel test but um, oh, no, not at all but i mean she was the lead. She was the person you followed, and she was not a damsel in distress at any at any point nope. in this movie. She had complete control, uh, and really, like, she was just kind of getting her way throughout it, which was, I don't, not really something that I would really expect from a movie of this era, um, from a time. I mean, 
women aren't treated well in movies now. <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't expect well, it. To yeah, be. and she, at, at, especially at this time, as, I, as I'm looking at, she she obviously was the bigger star um, at this point in time because um, Cary Grant was working very steady, but like nothing, nothing that really kind of. Um, was Philadelphia Story his breakout too? Uh, then Philadelphia or? Story was kind of his breakout. This movie was kind of his breakout. Um, but yeah, I mean, like literally, like right after this, he has, um, his girl Friday, Philadelphia Story. Oh, his girl Friday would be his breakout. Yeah. Then. Okay. Um, like this, obviously, like in hindsight, is his big yeah. first movie. But you said that it was kind of a bust. Yep. So like. His uh, there's no way his Gal Friday was bust. and then and then like arson arsenic and old lace and yeah and like he's just he's Cary Grant from then on out you know yeah like a, a lot of his later movies it's like I don't remember any of these but I know they did pretty well um, because it's Cary Grant like he's he's a movie star he was a draw yeah yeah um. But yeah, so so I'm glad you actually did enjoy this movie, um, seemingly. I I did. I I found I found myself getting distracted a few times during it. Yeah. Um, but uh, not as much as I have in other movies of this time frame. And it was uh, there were points that were genuinely funny. Uh, which I, I mean, for a movie from the 30s to be genuinely funny at times is yep. is neat. Like yeah. The, yeah. That, that would hold up. Uh, yeah, and and like I said, like I've I've watched this numerous times. Um, I I watched it first uh, for a film class, um, and got like a lot of the backstory from there. And then uh, actually for another class that was all about pictures from the 70s um the peter bogdanovich uh basically did a remake of this uh starring uh barbara streisand um oh. uh called what's up doc oh i didn't know that was a remake of this okay yeah yeah um well in some ways like it very much takes a lot of inspiration it's it's her and ryan o'neill from uh love story uh, which I love the fact that they get to make fun of Love Story in in that movie. Because the quote from Love Story was, uh, love means never having to say you're sorry. And Barbara Streisand turns and says that to him at the end of the movie. And he just looks at her point blank and is like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Even though it's it is, though. it's it's his it's his quote from the movie, which is great. Um, it's the movie that made him a star for those few years. Yeah. Um. Uh. But yeah, I I I very much enjoy it. I I think it still holds up, uh, really well. Because yeah, just like these are movie stars you know like and you and you can see why of like oh yeah no Catherine Hepburn is really good and Cary Grant is really good and they they just have this very watchable um quality to both of them um yeah and actually oddly enough uh and I haven't listened to it yet uh 
I started listening to a, a podcast called uh, Front Row Classics, which is like an NPR Illinois uh, podcast. And they actually reviewed Bringing Up Baby this week. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to listen to that before... Before you actually talk about it. Before I talk about it, because it'll feel like I'm just aping their points. Um, So, uh, but yeah, I just, I I really, I really love this movie. Like, I really enjoyed a lot. And that's why I said, like, I recommend, I recommend it to a lot of people. So. I, uh, I'm not upset that I watched it. Cool. I think, I think this is worth a watch. I think this is, uh, this is enjoyable. So good recommendation. Yay. All right. So what what are we going to do for next episode, Shane? Okay. So you might cut this part, but uh, have you seen Always Be My Maybe? Uh, no, I don't think I have, actually. Oh, well, then we're not going to cut this part because okay. Always Be My Maybe is my recommendation. Uh, Always Be My Maybe is a uh, movie on Netflix. It came out in 2019, so it's a very recent one. Uh, it is a comedy. It stars uh, Randall Park and Ali Wong. Oh and... yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I literally have been meaning to watch this like since you uh, told me about it, and I kept forgetting what it was. Yep, yep. Uh, Randall Park, I love Randall Park. Randall Park is what has like quietly in my mind become one of my favorite comedic actors, and like when I see him that he's a part of something, I'm very, very excited because he's. He's amazing. He's got such yeah. great comedic time. And uh, him and Ali Wong uh, co-wrote this movie, I believe. Uh, they were part of the writing team for sure. Um, and this movie is just, I, I'm just, I'm very ex- excited to watch it again. I, I highly, highly enjoyed it when I watched it originally. So, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see how this goes. Sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. Cause yeah, I, I keep, forgetting to watch this movie so now i have an excuse so perfect and this will be uh this will be the most modern of all the movies that we've watched so far what, uh, for, i mean silent, for, silent voice was from 2016 but i don't i'm not really counting that because uh, it was really it, you could really tell it was kind of based in 90s or, yeah. or early 2000 ish no i don't worry shane i'm clearly the retro part of this that's true <laughs> and, and you just recommend whatever you want which is I just, yeah i just recommend yeah. movies i enjoy i was yeah. like like when i did predator i was like i have no idea if this movie's gonna be good anymore let's check it out <laughs> well let's like let's 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 be honest because like even how you know our previous podcast was you know miyazaki and me how we ended up ranking you know all of our movies at the end is i ranked them by Oh, this I thought was the best and most well done, and of them. And you were like, "I like this one." Yep, and like, or or like, this made me feel this way. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like this I made me. Yeah, this made me feel feelings. the most. Yeah, which is why uh, uh, Princess Kaguya just kept flying up my list because I was like, the feelings this made me feel is yeah. just so upsetting. Yeah, and but, and why great and why Grave of the Fireflies was so high on both of our lists because yep. it's very well done and it makes you feel everything. Oh, it makes you feel so much. Yeah. Um but yeah. So if no. anybody's listening to this podcast and I haven't listened to that one, go back. Yeah, go back. At least at least listen to our rankings episodes because those were super fun. Um oh, yeah. uh but yeah, I think yeah, so we'll we'll watch um definitely be my maybe right 
always be my maybe. Always and be I, my maybe. Hey, this is fun because this wasn't even on my list that you could you could tell me if you yeah. saw it or not. So great. Sweet. Um, so yeah, we'll be back in two weeks for that. Uh, follow me at Knocked Out Films. Uh, remember to like and subscribe. Be good to each other. <laughs>